You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, I don't think I really need to explain what's going to happen. I think you know what's going to happen, so why don't we just get started with it, huh? Packers practice again today. Matt LaFleur talked before practice again today, so let's find out what's new. First of all, uh, the Packers did need to get down to 80, and they did. They didn't have to do anything super crazy either as far as just straight up cutting people. They traded a guy, Cole Van Lannan. Don't know the compensation yet at this time. He was a sixth round pick. So we'll see what they got back for him. I was kind of wondering about um, how that came to be. I think as the Packers, you kind of realize there are certain guys that that you're not going to be able to keep. And maybe you just start making phone calls around to see if you can get anything for any of these guys. For Even if you decide you wanted to put them on your practice squad, there's certain guys that you probably know we're not going to carry them. They're not going to make it if we try to stash him on the squad. And if you think there's going to be a little bit of a frenzy, you kind of try to get out in front of him and be like, look, rather than you guys trying to fight over him, why don't you just pay me and I'll just give him to you? So they actually got a taker. The Jacksonville Jaguars were down for that little arrangement. And so the Packers got something for Mr. Cole Van Landon, who was not going to be on the team. Anyways, in addition to that, they needed two more roster moves. Uh, Kylan Hill was put on reserve pup list, which means he will not be playing. Uh, the first four games of the season, at least. And the Packers have waived injured safety Vernon Scott. So kind of a surprising move there. They weren't really willing to wait for him to come back. Maybe he was going to be gone for an extended period of time. Maybe they've just seen enough from other guys to realize it ain't that big of a deal. But you would think a guy who's locked up that number three spot, um, if it wasn't super serious, they would have been more patient with him. So that gets us to 80. So we are within spec, if you will. Bakhtiari not practicing today, had nothing to do with injury, at least that's what we were told. New guys not practicing, cornerback Rico Gafford has an ankle injury and Sal Canella has a knee injury, so we'll see if they're able to make it back in time for uh, the upcoming preseason game, but who knows. Uh, Getting over to Matt LaFleur's press conference, he said the veterans will not be playing, aside from the guys that have already been playing, so nothing new, they're not doing anything crazy, which is a good thing in my opinion. Says he likes where the team is at. Obviously, they still have stuff to work on, but feels good about it. Says that if Christian Watson's able to go, he'll go, which, like pretty much everything he said so far, doesn't really mean anything, (laughs) aside from the starters won't play. Obviously, if Christian Watson's able to go, he's going to go. Don't know if he's close or not close or what that even means. Um, He said he likes where Mason Crosby is at, and Crosby feels confident he'll be ready in time for the season opener. We shall see. Talking about the inside linebacker battle, says it's a very tight battle. Hopefully over the next two days, it certainly, uh, it helps clarify itself to make those tough decisions. I don't know to what degree I necessarily buy that. I'm not saying there's no decisions to be made, but I, you know, compared to some of the other competitions, I don't know that this is all that super difficult. 
unless they're actually considering moving on from Chris Barnes. But again, I'm just assuming Barnes is is sort of locked into that number three. And I think McDuffie's just been heads and tails above the rest of the guys. Now, the, the question would be, are they looking at it and saying special teams is a major factor, whether that's for the number three and or number four? If that's the case, Ray Wilborn, at least through this preseason, has been kind of the guy. Everybody else has not been much of an impact whatsoever. So I don't know. Um, either way, I don't see a path for Ty Summers. He's not a special teams guy. He's not a defense guy. He's really not doing anything. Um, Barnes is the guy they like the most, the veteran that's played a bunch. McDuffie seems to be the guy that's playing the best defense of the linebackers. Ray Wilborn seems to be the best special teamer of the group. I don't really know what Ty brings to the equation here. LaFleur says it's been a benefit to be able to play the same starting offensive lineman throughout camp, even though, quote, they've taken their lumps at times. Two of them will be on the bench when Bakhtiari and Jenkins return, so there'll be some options. Asked about Amari in the backfield, he just said, it's all fluid. You might see other guys back there as well, just trying to become as multidimensional as possible and give the defense another thing to potentially worry about. I think we see a lot of that in practice today. They're doing a lot of different things. Um... First of all, just kind of empty in the bag to, to make sure they exhaust all their options when they look at who to keep and, and who to move on from. I think on the negative side, at least in terms of other guys getting opportunities in the backfield, is we're slowly stripping away Amari Rogers' use on this offense. I mean, if he's kind of just the motion guy and getting these quick screen tosses and doing stuff out of the backfield and Christian Watson comes in and can do all that and better, and that, that's obviously going to suck for Amari. Starting lineup for the day. Something to get everybody excited about. Running backs, Jones and Dillon. Tight end, Mercedes Lewis. Offensive line is Yash, John Runyon, Myers, Hanson, and Newman. Quarterback, obviously, is Rodgers. Wide receivers, Watson and Dobbs. So not only do we start off with a two-back set, which everybody's been clamoring for, but the starting wide receivers, Watson and Dobbs. Now, that doesn't mean that's going to be what happens in the regular season by any stretch of the imagination. But it's still fun to look at and see what, uh, you know, maybe someday could possibly be. Who knows? But do not take that and run with it and say this is now the number one and number two because that would be absurd. Herman says Rashawn Gary's close to the quarterback is terrifying. Nice block by Yash to set up a big run by Dylan to the left side. Quay is a step too slow getting over. One of the first outside runs that's worked for the offense during camp. Dylan showed nice patience on the next run as well and finally found a hole in the middle. I had a thought on... Quay, as I was watching some people review tape on Quay Walker and whatnot, I really think his play is going to go through the roof when Devondre Campbell comes back, because a lot of the times what I saw was people running away from Quay because it was a giant gaping hole where McDuffie was, because that guy either was just not in the right spot or whatever the case may be. And so he ended up almost making tackles while passing McDuffie and trying to catch the guy from behind. But if you've got somebody like Devondre Campbell there who's doing his job properly, there's nowhere to go. And so instead of bouncing out of Quay's hole and going to the other one, they're going to have to try to plow ahead for Quay or go the other direction and there's nothing there either. So I, just, I really think Devondre Campbell and Quay Walker both being on the field at the same time, on top of better defensive tackles being up front, um, I think Quay is going to be showcased quite a bit more. Not that that should be a surprise, but just as I was watching it, I was just thinking there's just this constant safety valve the other direction for the running back to go. Uh, Zach Tom opens up a hole for Williams, blocking against Slayton with a Y. Nice run with vision for Dexter Williams. New look for the Packers' defense, and this is something that'll be worth kind of talking about as we go forward. Razul Douglas at free safety, Keyshawn Nixon in the slot. So I know Goose had kind of mentioned in the chat, I wonder if this was kind of the thing all along, but 
I kind of don't think so because their immediate reaction was to go straight to Sean Davis. And whether or not they just didn't really like the look, or maybe thought about it after the fact, decided, why don't we give Razul a shot at safety, bring Keyshawn Nixon, who was our number two slot guy, up into the slot spot and see, again, best 11 man on the field, which one's better? Razul and Nixon, in other words, our number two slot guy, or our number, you know, four safety? And obviously you have to answer the question of, can Razul handle this job? I know everyone gets super excited when a corner, especially a guy that's kind of seen as like a ball jumper, you know, like Razul Douglas, not the fastest guy, but very cerebral, kind of likes to play zone and watch and jump routes and all that stuff. At least that's what he's, I don't know that that's his thing, but that's kind of how he's been pigeonholed. Everyone's going to get excited and say he's obviously going to be very good at that. I don't know, maybe, but it's definitely worth taking a look, I guess, is all it is. I'm not going to pencil this in or, or put it in pen that this is officially the new thing now. But again, like I said, there's a lot of different things. They're kind of empty in their bag of tricks to just see, you know, try every little combination that we can as this thing wraps up to make our final determination of how we should actually do things. Uh, Darnell Savage out giving some pointers to Douglas. And that is going to be the, the rough thing is he's new to this. Not that, I mean, he's, he understands a lot. He's been with the team now for two years and been a DB for a long time and has been working with Amos and Savage and, uh, you know, understands what's going on behind him a lot of the time. So he has a leg up, but there's still a pretty big gap in understanding of, of what his job would be if he were to play safety. So that is a pretty major concern this close to the start of the season to just say, okay, you're a safety now. Or ideally, Savage could just freaking come back already. Jordan Love is catching some folks with his cadence early in camp, earned another free play. Aaron Rodgers steps up in the pocket, and while running upfield, lofts a no-look pass to Romeo Dobbs before crossing the line of scrimmage. The ball was a bit behind Dobbs, but he went up and caught it. The rookie's welcome to playing with 12 moment. By the way, that Jordan pass, Andy Herman provides a little bit more context. Um, he wanted to basically throw a pick to Chris Barnes, which isn't unusual. You get a free play, you kind of throw a high-risk, high-reward thing, because even if they get an interception, it doesn't matter, it's coming back. So you, you take the deep shot. But Chris Barnes dropped the interception. TJ Slayton also had a pressure inside for a potential sack, which is going to cause some problems with trying to complete a pass. But anyways, that Romeo Dobbs thing, a lot of people were talking about it as a really, really incredible play between 12 and, and Dobbs. It also converted a third down pass, according to Mike, Mike Spofford. Rodgers went up and patted him on the helmet after that play. Tyler Davis with a nice pluck across the middle. Love's throwing power is different this year, according to Wes Hotkowitz. Tyler Davis had a very good day today, his first of training camp, hopefully not his last. In red zone, Romeo Dobbs cuts his route to the left sideline, and Packers safety Sean Davis slips. A tidy seven-yard completion from Aaron Rodgers. Nice route for the rookie. Um, Put another way, rookie wide receiver Romeo Dobbs is having a solid day, not doing anything too flashy, but there's been certain occasions where Rodgers completes a pass to him, and Rodgers has either gone over to Dobbs and patted his helmet, or claps very loud after the completion. This is actually, I think I would prefer this today than like he mossed somebody or whatever. We, we, we've seen the splash plays. What I want to see is that relationship develop between Rodgers and Dobbs where he knows he can trust the guy and he goes to him consistently, partially because he's open, partially because he trusts him, and they just work as a tandem down the field. I mean, I, I, I don't think it's a stretch to think that it's possible, at least, that Romeo Dobbs is the more talented wide receiver on our offense. Now, he doesn't have nearly the experience as any of the other guys, the, the, the starting three, but from a talent standpoint, off the line, beating corners, all that stuff, he's really got it there. So for Ro- Rodgers to start developing that trust, to, to start to even lean on him, you know, th- this is a critical third down. I'm looking for this guy. Why? Because if I'm going to guess who got open on this route, who do you think I'm going to guess? No offense to the other guys, but I'm guessing it was Dobbs that got open. So leaning on him, 
trusting him in big situations and for Dobbs to come down and complete it. Give me, give me a seven-yard third-down completion over that, you know, first down 40-yard shot down the sideline. We've seen it, right? Not always a catch, but point is, we've seen him do it numerous times. Let's just get that consistency and that relationship between the two as they just work their way as a tandem down the field. Uh, more Razul Douglas at safety in the red zone. Uh, I have a feeling this is the best 11 on the field thing. Meanwhile, Tyler Davis off to a great start today and gets a big touchdown catch with Douglas in coverage, so he immediately gets beat by Tyler Davis. Nice route and separation. According to Mike Spofford, that was a, a, an additional no-look pass from Aaron Rodgers. Razul Douglas has talked about that, too, when he talked about it as locker room. I know sometimes you can kind of roll your eyes and be like, can you just look at where you're going? But Razul has talked about how impossible it is to play against Aaron Rodgers because you have absolutely no idea until the ball's out of his hand where the ball's going to go. Where he's looking means nothing. So you, you, he's, he's one of the few quarterbacks you cannot read his eyes. It does no good. We haven't seen much from Rasheed Walker, but he did a nice job there in pass pro against Jonathan Garvin. Hopefully he can play against the Chiefs this week. Tyler Davis with another touchdown, this time from Love. Huge day for Davis already. And then a massive leaping one-handed interception from KB and Ento. Love was trying to hit Ture coming back across the end zone, and Ento used every millimeter of his vertical to corral the ball one-handed and bring it in. And then Jordan Love to Mercedes Lewis for a touchdown. The entire team, even the defense, barks in celebration. Big dog and whatnot. Apparently after that uh, pick by Ento, the DBs start dancing mosh pit style in the middle of the field after the pick. Aaron Rodgers runs in the middle and breaks it up. Second straight productive day for Cobb in 11-on-11s. Catches post in stride, 12-18 and 18 on the same page. Note from Ryan Wood says, Defensive coordinator Joe Barry said Douglas can handle any position in the secondary, and he did not just mean cornerback. After an incompletion intended for DeGuara, cornerback Eric Stokes picked up the football, ran it to the sideline to Brian Gutekunst, and dapped him up. Got a big smile out of Goody. Defense is having fun, man. No question about it. The team sounds like it's really having fun. I mean, I know it's got to be frustrating for the offense a little bit, but it just sounds like they're really having a good time out there. Then they start running scout team stuff. They're having a little bit more fun. Aaron Rodgers in the slot during scout team defense. Gives up an easy completion to Winfrey. He said, uh, only walkthroughs, but technique needs a lot of work. Cassidy Hill says, fun scout team notes. Jair looks to be MVS as they run the Kansas City drills. Caleb Jones playing defensive tackle. Stokes is in the slot. Aaron Jones playing corner. Herman says, oh man, Aaron Rodgers almost picked off Jordan Love in walkthroughs. He was ready to take it for six right off his hands. That's kind of scary. At the end of practice, Matt LaFleur brought uh, former center and current broadcast analyst Larry McCarron into the post-practice huddle to commemorate his 50th training camp with the team. A really cool moment. That is really cool. Uh, Stenovich and Luke Butkus both hung out kind of after practice doing a little bit of extra work with Rasheed Walker. But that's about it. That's all she wrote for training camp. Might as well just take a break here. Good spot as any. If you want to support the podcast, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. If you want to call in to the Pack Not After Dark podcast, 608-501-0718. We'll take a break and we'll be right back. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. 
Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So we've done a recap on a couple things, offensively, defensively, just to kind of get our bearings on where everybody's at. And um, I want to kind of continue that for the sake of context, just to kind of understand where things are at. What the heck I'm talking about will hopefully make more sense in a minute when I just start doing it. Before we get there, though, a little bit of news roundup. First of all, I had mentioned Jesse Bates just very recently. Goose called into Packernet After Dark. He's like, hey, are there any safeties out there? I said, the only one really is Jesse Bates. Well, Within hours of me saying that, he's decided to return to camp and he's going to sign his tag and all that good stuff. It was never really going to happen anyways, but I just thought that was kind of funny. Um, the Matt Stafford thing has cropped back up in the news. Every time it comes up, it usually gets immediately dismissed that everything's fine. But again, it just keeps coming back up. Apparently, the Rams are keeping an eye on Matt Stafford's throwing arm. He's having elbow issues. Again, they're just talking about it's going to be a matter of load management, but there's even conversations about potential you know, what if he misses time kind of thing. So that's obviously going to have some pretty major implications. Um, 
The Rams are obviously one of the bigger contenders in the NFC. And um, the Rams, just like most other teams, you know, we keep hearing about, aha, you guys, stupid Packers, if you, all you have is Rodgers, and if he gets hurt, you guys are done. Well, yeah, that's 90% of NFL teams out there, and the Rams are no different. If Stafford goes down, their team is kind of done, at least in the time period that he's out. Uh, Chase Young for the Washington Commanders was put on the pup list, so he's going to be missing four weeks. Wouldn't necessarily call the Commanders a um, contender, but they, they're a team that could certainly be a thorn in your side, and that is a major blow for them. Chase Young, maybe not exactly as good as everybody was hoping that, or not everybody, but as good as people thought he would be, but still a um, pretty scary force. Uh, the Lions placed Jamison Williams on the uh, reserve NFI list. This isn't necessarily new news, but it's just sort of an official thing. He's going to be out probably until about midseason for the Detroit Lions. That's their rookie wide receiver that they picked up, the super fast guy out of Alabama. And then for the Saints, Michael Thomas is dealing with hamstring injuries. Uh, Apparently doesn't seem serious, but considering the amount of injuries he's had over the years, I think Saints fans and whatnot are are, a little concerned about his availability this season and how severe maybe this injury might be. Anyways, moving on to what I had said I wanted to kind of look at, there's, you know, after the news that the Packers wouldn't be playing their starters, there's there's some people that are really upset about that and the fact that apparently we just have to assume we're going to lose week one. Obviously, that's not the case, but that's what some people are thinking. But here's the thing. If you're able to assume, first of all, that if we sit starters, we're going to lose week one, then I'm able to assume that a prominent starter will get injured if we play in the preseason. If we're going to assume worst-case scenario and um, the superstitious thing that takes place, whether we do or do not start our starters, is going to happen, then that's the way that that goes. If I have to add the caveat of maybe somebody will get hurt, then you have to add the caveat that maybe we're going to lose week one. And also understand the realization that maybe we're going to lose anyways. But here's something else to consider. The Vikings, and I don't know what their plan is for week three, have not played their starters once so far. I'm sure they've played some, just like we've played some, but they have not played everybody like a lot of teams have played everybody. Kirk Cousins has not taken a single snap. Justin Jefferson has not taken a single snap. Dalvin Cook, not a snap. Adam Thielen, not one. Irv Smith, zero. Going through the list, I don't see hardly any. Harrison Phillips, defensive tackle. Armin Watts, a couple of their defensive tackles, it seems like they're going to play. In the, in the preseason, but that's about it. Now, again, I don't know about week three. Maybe they're, maybe they're going to unload the bag and, and do that week three. I don't know. But just so we're clear, the Packers are not the only team that have sat their starters thus far. So that would be the other thing. If, if we don't start our starters and they don't start theirs, and that's a big if, but if they don't, you still don't get to play that card. <laughs> so again, when I'm just looking at it from a risk-reward standpoint, so many things are in the risk column, and I'm not seeing hardly anything in the reward column. And even so, as I've said before, even if we assume, okay, if you don't play your starters, and if the Vikings do, and let's just say we don't and they do, you definitely are going to lose week one. Okay, so what? It's not great, especially since it's the Vikings, but that's what happened last week. We lost to an NFC opponent, and what happened? We won 13 games that season. Went to the playoffs, and we lost. The ultimate result of the season had nothing to do with a week one loss. How good the team was, what the record, I mean, the record, I guess, matters if we assume that we would have won the game, which seems extremely unlikely. That's the other thing about getting beat that badly. You really believe we would have actually won that? We lost by like 70 points. Rodgers getting one drive is going to change that? I really doubt it. Anyways, I just want to look at a couple other things. Again, just for the sake of, of 
clarifying where we're at. You know, one of the things, and we've already kind of talked about it, but just to kind of drive the point home, Zach Tom is following a very similar path to Royce Newman. What does that mean? Even if he wins the job, there's no reason to believe he would perform better than Royce Newman as a starter. But I want to go back and look at a couple other guys that um, performed really well in the preseason last year. The highest graded player of anybody was Royce. Then you get Malik Taylor. Malik Taylor had an 83.8 overall grade in the preseason. 16 targets, 14 receptions, and 185 yards, 13.2 yards per reception. He was a star in the preseason. He went on to the regular season to do basically nothing. You got Yash Nyman, which again, okay, there's something to learn there. And then Jacob Capra. Devin Funches had a 77 overall grade. Bronson Kaufusi was our highest graded tight end. Some other interesting grades. A.J. Dillon had a 54 overall grade. He was kind of bad. Amari Rogers didn't get a super great grade, but he was better than uh, Dillon was. On the defensive side of the ball, Isaiah McDuffie was our highest graded player on the defense. Followed by Ray Wilborn, followed by Henry Black, followed by Kingsley Kiki, followed by Jack Heflin, followed by KB Anento. What does that information tell you about the 2021 season? Zero things. Eric Stokes, not necessarily super impressive. Chris Barnes, also not very impressive. In fact, uh, McDuffie and Wilborn and uh, Dijon Harris and Oren Burks, all ahead of him. He was the second lowest graded linebacker above only Kamal Martin. What did that tell us? Nothing. Chris Barnes was the number, number two the whole year. Mason Crosby last year had a 35.9 overall grade. He was 0 for 1 from 20 some odd yards out. He didn't lose the job to J.J. Molson. J.K. Scott actually had a fairly good punting grade, 68 overall. Didn't really matter, though. The uh, highest pass rushing grade, not a linebacker, was Kingsley Kiki. Do you think for one second we weren't all freaking out about how great this guy's going to be as a pass rusher? So just keep that in the back of your head. Preseason is still somewhat of a different animal. It's not useless. A lot of people saying it's useless. It means absolutely nothing, and you can't glean anything from it. That's not true. As there's a reason the coaches use it to make evaluations and decisions, but it's also not the gospel truth. This is what happened, therefore it will carry on into the regular season. Something else I wanted to look at, because again, there can be certain narratives and whatnot, and then it just kind of, in other words, you, a lot of times you'll hear like really positive stuff, and then you'll just keep saying positive, 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 because nobody updates you when things are negative. I want to look at rookies real quick, just so we're clear. Not at every position, because some positions don't super matter. But the highest graded receiver right now, and some people are going to feel very vindicated by this, because I know a lot of people were real excited about him, but Eric Ezukanma in Miami is the highest graded receiver right now. 11 targets, 8 receptions, 132 yards. George Pickens is 12th. After his 91 overall grade, he followed that up with a 55 overall grade, getting 2 targets, 2 receptions, and 6 yards. Right in line with that, George Pickens... Uh, after that, you have Drake London at 13, Garrett Wilson at 14. Drake London so far has one target, one reception for 24 yards. Garrett Wilson, six targets, five receptions, 40 yards. David Bell, another prominent name, ranks 24th. Tyquan Thornton, 27th. Chris Olave is 31st. Another guy where it's like, well, this guy is elite. He would have been super great. Packers are stupid. And listen, he might be. But just to be clear, Danny Davis is 16th. So... 31st with a uh, 65 overall grade. By the way, Romeo Dobbs immediately after Chris Olave. But one of the more 
targeted players. 12 targets, 6 receptions, 69 yards, 2 touchdowns. Obviously, if it wasn't for the drop issues, as we've said a thousand times, he would be near the top of all these lists. But Alec Pierce ranks 35th. Sky Moore is 39th. Jahan Dotson is 43rd. Samori Turi, 55th. Valus Jones, 56th. Jalen Tolbert is 60th. Wandale Robinson, 63rd. Kevin Austin, 67th. Traylon Burks, 67th. And that is out of 71 wide receivers. Traylon Burks is one of the lowest graded wide receivers so far. So again, the reason I'm going over this is because there's going to be a lot of talk about coulda, woulda, shoulda, and just assuming everybody else is doing great. Traylon Burks is, again, grading as one of the worst wide receivers in football right now. Four targets, one reception, four yards. And nobody, nobody is really crushing it right now. Again, Ezukanma is, and mostly because of one game, his first game was not that impressive. Eight targets, six receptions, 114 yards in uh, week two. But of all the big name guys, who has the most yards? Honestly, it's I think it's Romeo Dobbs, and he's not a big name guy. I'm just saying Romeo Dobbs is ahead of all of them at 69 yards. He's also probably ahead of most of them with two touchdowns. The highest I can see, honestly, in terms of the big names is George Pickens with 49 yards and a touchdown, which is basically what Danny Davis has. Um, other offensive linemen, not that anyone's really complaining about the guys that we got because we didn't draft them early and Zach Tom is, well, <laughs> two of the three highest graded rookies are Green Bay Packers. Cam Jurgens is number one, followed by Caleb Jones, followed by Zach Tom. So I can't imagine there's a whole lot of complaining. However, just so we're up on this, Ikemekwanu, one of the first people taken in the entire draft, is ranked 67th among rookie offensive linemen. Zion Johnson, a guy that I really like, ranks 63rd, actually one spot behind Sean Ryan, if you can believe that. Charles Cross ranks 55th. Cole Strange ranks 51st. Evan Neal ranks 41st. Bernard Raymond, 28th. The only guys really that are kind of crushing it right now outside of the the, the Packers players, because there's only 19 with 70 or higher grades. Again, Cam Jurgens, the Eagles got in the second round, is the highest graded so far. Ed Ingram, the, Pac- uh, the Vikings got in the second round, although he had a rough second week. 66 overall, 41 pass blocking grade. Abraham Lucas, Seattle Seahawks, similarly rough second week. His overall grade is kind of being carried by week one. And then Trevor Penning, who we know is having pass blocking issues. Week one, the only reason he has such a high grade is because he had a 95 run blocking grade, but his pass blocking was a 38. The second week was a 69. Um, his overall pass blocking grade is a 53, so congratulations to him with an 81 overall grade thanks to his 93 run blocking grade, but um, nobody cares if you can't pass block. And I'm, I, listen, I'm not trying to pick on anybody, but I'm, I'm reinforcing the point that I've tried to dri- drive home a thousand times. They're rookies. Most of the guys that I'm talking about, I don't care if they were number four overall or fourth round picks or number 14 or 42, most of these guys are not going to have good seasons. And the problem is we're going to hear of the two or three that do, and we're going to hear over and over about how we missed on this guy. We should have got this guy. We're not going to hear about the 10, 15, 20, 30 guys that you also liked that are just playing like complete garbage. This is just the way it goes. Oh, dang. And just coming across the wire now, speaking of, the Packers have released wide receiver Danny Davis. He is released with an injury designation, so that stinks. Two Badgers gone in the same day. He was having a really good camp. That's too bad. So if I'm not mistaken, that gives us a uh, open spot on the roster. Um, looking at the linebackers, there's been a lot of talk about Nicobe Dean, a lot of the highlights. He's looking real good. He's not looking bad, by the way, but he ranks 13th. He had a 77 overall grade week one. By the way, his tackling grade was a 55. His pass rush grade was a 55. His coverage was a 61. And then week two, it dropped to a 65 overall. Again, 
poor pass rusher and dropped to a 57 coverage grade. So his run defense is kind of keeping him afloat. Leo Chennault is 14th. Uh, Devin Lloyd hasn't even played a snap. Same is true of the next linebacker taken. Troy Anderson has not played a single snap. Chad Muma, guy that I was really high on, he is 41st right now. Christian Harris has not played a single snap. Defensive tackle, I think, is a really big one, um, partially because a lot of people didn't necessarily care for the pick. I mean, so it's not as bad as a lot of Packers picks, but a lot of people are concerned about the age, concerned about a lot of things, and then he didn't have a great preseason week one, so there's a lot of concern there. In fact, two of the three worst grades among rookies are Packers. Devontae Wyatt is 52nd. Jonathan Ford is 54th. Akeel Byers is 47th. So the Packers are all right there at the bottom. However, how many first and second round guys are actually performing really well right now? Jordan Davis has a 58 overall grade. Been a ton of hype about him because there's been like three clips of him pushing guys around. 58. He has a 26 tackling grade, a 59 run defense grade, and a 57 pass rush grade. About second round pick, Fedarian Mathis, 50 overall grade. And you got guys like George Karloftis that everybody's trying to convince you is the greatest guy ever. Another guy that Packer fans really wanted, thought that it would be a great pick. The Chiefs ended up getting him. In fact, the, everybody the Chiefs pick, Packer fans, a lot of them feel like we should have had that pick. Sky Moore, George Karloftis, a lot of Packer favorites. George Karloftis ranks 35th right now. He has a 44 run defense grade, a 66 pass rush grade, a 60 coverage grade, 72 tackling grade. He's decent. He has a marginally higher grade than Kingsley and Igbare and two less pressures. Some additional things to keep an eye on. We're worried about our special teams. How about Arizona? Arizona has Matt Prater as their kicker. He's five of seven on uh, extra points right now and two of three on field goals. They don't have a plan B right now. Washington has one kicker, Joe Sly. Sly has a 47 overall grade. He's made only three of his four extra points, so he's missed one as well. Harrison Butker in Kansas City is only 50% on his field goals. Ryan Santos in Jacksonville is 50%, 3 of 6. In fact, while the Packers still have a pretty poor special teams, Cleveland, Baltimore, and the Colts all have worse special teams right now. Everybody's got kicker issues, punter issues, special teams issues. Everybody's got rookie issues, veteran issues. Some teams are starting some of their starters, and their starters are getting hurt. Some teams are not going to start their starters, and they're going to lose week one. And again, the, the, the reason I want to bring this up is because I just keep seeing things. Again, starting with the, we're in trouble if we don't play our starters. We just assume everybody else has got it figured out except us. But I also keep seeing all these clips. Look how good Penning is. Look how good Karloftis is. I was actually shocked to find out that people were bragging about Penning's clip against Quay Walker where he hit him basically after the play was over. Quay Walker just leveled the guy. And then later, after the running back was already tackled, Trevor Penning comes up along the side of him and levels him. And apparently people were proud of that. Like, oh, dude, look how good he is. He's trash. Give me that. So don't get whipped up in the couple clips you see. This is hype time. It's not just Packer fans hyping up, hey, Christian Watson caught one pass, let's all freak out about it. It's every team is hyping up everybody. I mean, again, just think how absurd the the Pickens thing was. And we got to do that with everybody's rookie and everybody's second-year player and everybody's third-year player. Everybody's going to be amazing. In fact, I think the Bears not too long ago were whipping up how great Daz Newsome is looking. He just got cut. Packers win 13 games every year. And it's not because they're idiots and they don't know what they're doing and everyone else does. I promise you that's not the case. And so, you know, while Lions fans can get all hyped up about Jamal Williams quotes and, you know, Aiden Hutchinson's looking pretty good, which is great for them. Texans fans can pretend that their quarterback is the next great unheralded person. Vikings fans can pretend Andrew Booth is going to be the greatest rookie cornerback of all time. Bears fans can pretend Valus Jones is going to be something other than a kick returner. 
ever. Saints fans can pretend that Trevor Penning is a competent left tackle. At the end of the day, it's not going to matter because when the regular season starts, it's put up or shut up a time. And nobody's going to really care about that one cool little clip because you got blown out like 35 to 17. So again, just don't just don't buy into the stupidity. Everybody's making at least one play out there. So anyways, look, um, week three's coming up. And hopefully we get some really, really great things that happen in this game. But if Romeo Dobbs catches one pass for five yards or seven passes for 200 yards, it's not going to tell us a ton about what's going to happen week 16. It's not going to give me a much clearer picture about our chances to win in the playoffs. This team is going to win because it has a bunch of very highly competent individuals working as a unit. Remember, we're not trying to find superstars. We're trying to move past that. The days of Rodgers and Devontae and who cares? We're hoping Devontae or, excuse me, Dobbs can be a part of this well-oiled machine because it's the machine that's going to win the Super Bowl, not the individual parts and pieces. So anyways, that's it. Short one today. That's all I wanted to cover. You guys have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.